Thank you for joining us on Theology Refresh. This is Desiring God's podcast for pastors. I'm David Mathis. Pleased to be joined today by Toppy Calioso, pastor of Jubilee Church in London. Toppy, thank you for being here. It's great to be here. It involved a cross-Atlantic flight for you to be here (laughs) at the Desiring God Conference for Pastors. We're going to tackle the topic of spiritual warfare. Would you begin by tethering us to a text? Well, when I think about um, spiritual warfare, I immediately go to Ephesians 6. Paul says, uh, put on the whole armor of God because we don't war against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. We war against um, spirits and principalities and powers and in high places. So for me, when he says that, he is um, making us aware. The tendency to see situations of life and just uh, uh, define them pragmatically only is a danger. The idea mm-hmm. there is he's trying to say, look, that very often, not all the time, but often there are spirits, there are powers, there are principalities, there are spiritual elements of a negative kind that could be influencing and functioning behind the scene. And uh, so I go to that text and take comfort from that saying, you can't combat this, put on the whole armor of God. So for uh, those of us who are leaders, in particular in a Western context, where the prevailing views around us are secular and not typically animistic or some other religion that emphasizes supernatural, it's perhaps all the more important for us to keep these things in view, that it's not merely things that we see in front of us that we're dealing with, but spiritual realities at work in our pastoring. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. The um, the average Western pastor, I mean, it's a grotesque generalization, but it's probably not too grotesque, which is the tendency to think of demonic influences. This is something that happens in weird dark part of Africa, or Bangladesh, someplace where they worship uh, idol gods. But demons, um, <laughs> you feel like saying they have a, a notorious way of acclimatizing to the area where they are. Hmm so that people, it becomes easy to miss it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right, in a secular kind of environment such as we are here in the West, um, people don't tend to think that way, demons, what you're talking about. You know? And so we have different categories for them, and uh, therefore we, we become somewhat unaware mm-hmm. and can easily glide over texts of Scripture where Paul, is trying to see, where Paul had to deal with some of these things, actually. We just see them, if you like, as interesting stories. God can do big things. But actually, they are instructive for us, how we ought to live and lead. Mm-hmm. So getting into the practicals, what does it mean to be a pastor, aware of spiritual warfare, and then to take up the weapons, so to speak, yeah. in your pastorate? How do you engage in spiritual warfare as a pastor in London? Yeah, I think that um, you engage it by recognizing what is there that you know that is not of God. Mm. And it doesn't just need just a practical solution. There are some, there are loads of things that are just need a practical solution. But there's very often, particularly as a pastor, you find that, you know, we're dealing with a problem here. There just seems to be a kind of confusion. The relationships are getting increasingly gooey. Something that was so small is now getting out of hand. And there's uh, repercussions that is wreaking havoc in the life of the church. You, sometimes you begin to get the promptings of the Spirit. This is not ordinary. Mm-hmm. And so you, 
as a pastor need to engage with that. And the first place you go, really, having identified it, she begin to pray about this. Mm. It, that's where spiritual warfare then happens. It is a piercing the darkness with the word of God and with prayer. The Bible talks about different types of prayers. You're talking here really essentially about intercession and uh, calling out to God and, and, and pushing back the, 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 you know, the, uh, the wars that the enemy is bringing mm -hmm. uh, towards the congregation. I can imagine for a pastor uh, finding an intractable relational case, seemingly, and beginning to think there's some supernatural powers at play. I'm praying that personally. Uh, at what point does it move beyond my personal engagement in prayer to mentioning to that person, I think spiritual warfare is involved. And then what steps are taken in identifying that? Yeah, I think that a, a pastor needs to be wise and careful that you're not jumping too quickly to label something demonic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, speaking with people and just in your own mind, as you're talking with them, you are, you're really learning to discern spirits is there something here? The discerning of spirits is just uh, uh, a gift of the Holy Spirit that is just so critical, I feel, in, in pastoring. Because otherwise, things will go past you and, um, uh, and cause all kinds of problems. So for me, counseling a person, speaking with a person, when I realize this thing is going beyond the norm, I will begin to suggest to them, you know, to say, look, I, I've known you many years, you've known me, da 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 you, do you think maybe there's something else going on here? Mm -hmm. Do you think maybe there's another force, another power? Do you think there's the enemy trying to come in here and wreak havoc, cause confusion here? Because when I look at this, we've had this kind of situation before. It was cleaned up and it was fine. How come on this occasion it's this way? And if that is the case, then we need to deal with this spiritually and not just by dialogue. We need to pray about this. So I seek to invite them and try to modulate my words in such a way that they don't feel I am saying, ah, you are demon-possessed, mm -hmm. you have a demon and you are the... But, um, but to help them see that there is an enemy that if you give him an inch, he really will take the inch and more. And sad to say, Christians can open themselves up to become a tool to be used in, in the life of the church. So, so for a pastor in situation, you bring them in to prayer together, asking for God's help. Is there a point where you need to perform what's termed an exorcism, where you need to pray in a certain way or cast out the demon, drawing upon Jesus' authority? Yeah, yeah. I think that there are times that that needs to be the case. It's not what you jump to quickly mm -hmm. or, or at the outset. Because very often, for me, I like to see uh, a pattern and I give time. Mm -hmm. Uh, it could be days, it could be weeks, it could even be months. But I see, when I see a pattern, and in my own prayer time, when I begin to feel that growing sense of this thing has a spiritual root that needs to be dealt with, I will speak with the person. And very often, the people actually begin to know it themselves. That's a problem here. Mm. That I, it's something that almost beginning to control me. I can control it. Mm -hmm. And if I feel that it has a demonic dimension, then yeah, we need to pray for them. And... Um, it can sound very uh, dramatic, uh, kind of pray for them, cast out a devil and so on. Um, I don't know that it need be 
weird or crazy, but I, and I don't tend to think in terms of cast it out of the person because this is a Christian. I don't mm -hmm. believe a Christian is possessed. But I tend to think in terms of there's an influence around them. And there's a way that I pray into the situation, name the situation, pray against it, and begin to just, if you like, cut off the, the cords that are holding them bound. Yes. And, uh, yeah. What role then does the plurality of elders, uh, that you're not the only leader at the church, there are other leaders with you, how, how essential is that in the, the process of engaging in spiritual warfare? Yeah, I think that that is uh, extremely important. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you don't go into the house of a strong man unless mm -hmm. you're ready. And I would not advise pastors just exuberant thinking, aha, that's what we need to do and jump into it. You, 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 you could be headed for a hard lesson. That's where the priority of eldership leadership comes in. Uh, for us, we work together. They would know, I would know, we would know what is going on if there's a particular situation that we think might warrant that kind of a response. And um, you would never want to pray for a person alone, ever. You would want to pray in twos at least. And um, sometimes we would have them bring a friend along because it just helps them calm down so that this is not something crazy or weird. But I'll tell you a, di a, a, a dimension that is easily missed. The elders and the pastors, there must be unity. There must be a oneness of heart, a unity in ministry, a true love that makes that team strong and impregnable. When you have leadership where there are rancors and quarrels and so on, now you want to go do spiritual warfare together, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that could be headed for uh, an even bigger problem. Mm. The enemy will expose wherever there is disunity, but wherever there is unity, there the Lord commands the blessing mm. and life comes. Okay, so there's some really practical things in terms of the team dynamic and in giving it patience and, and time to see the situation emerge. Yes. Uh, perhaps also for a pastor as he's receiving stories. What, what would you say to someone who's receiving a supernatural story, a pastor, yeah. and maybe there's a tendency in them just to be skeptical, that yeah. the story's not believable until proven so, yeah. rather than giving the benefit of the doubt to the parishioner who, who brings a supernatural account to a pastor? I would say to the pastor, know yourself and know your weaknesses. And know your tendencies. If your tendency is toward being skeptical, learn to, over time, reel that thing in and say, Lord, help me hear with uh, sanctified ears and help me to be uh, believing, but not to be gullible. And uh, you, don't, you don't help the people if you are just gullible to what they say. You're just going to encourage uh, foolishness. And so for me, I would say to that kind of a pastor, you know, you hear weird stories of uh, incredible things. Now, there are just some stories you hear, frankly, you think to yourself, what's, what's, what's the purpose of that? <laughs> you know, it makes no sense. <laughs> what's the purpose of that? You know, we'll say to the person, mm, you know, I, I, depending on who it is and how it, I'll say, you know, that's interesting. I'm not sure I see the purpose, but interesting. And uh, enough people know enough that you probably don't take that on board. And, I, and it's good for them to just feel that mm -hmm. uh, so they can learn to reel that nonsense in. On the other hand, though, there are things that I've heard 
and I, and I wonder about it, but I know that it is not unbiblical. I know that uh, God can do that. And I know that it's a good thing to be done. I can see the purpose of it. So I'm like, you know, Lord, if you're doing that there, do it here as well. Hmm. So. Amen. Thank you for these few minutes on this difficult topic. <laughs> and would you pray for our listener now? Absolutely, absolutely. Father, uh, thine is the kingdom, and it's a good and strong kingdom. But there's another kingdom, Lord, that needs to be overcome all the time and already has been. But you make us kingdom agents. I pray for pastors everywhere listening to this podcast that, Father, they would grow in grace and in power and in wisdom, knowing how to deal with the enemy and engage in spiritual warfare carefully but deliberately and to see success that you will give, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.